Yes. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, I'm 70, so I think I should be given a little latitude. So uh, my wife is having, um, I don't know, I guess it's my daughter's the grandchildren are over. And they were outside, and I just went out to check them. And I had a question for Leslie, and Leslie says, so you're not doing the Bible study tonight? Bible study. What time is it? It's 6.30. So I had five minutes right in here, quickly turn on the equipment. And I want to do the Bible study, but uh, anyway, busy day, busy day. Um, anyway, so I had a look up. And we are on Matthew 14 tonight. So let me see if I got this right here. I, I had to quickly adjust things because I have to change it around from where I read the Bible versus something you can see. So I hope you can read that. Well... Where's Otha May Brand? The world's coming to an end if Otha May's not on there. <laughs> Hello, David. I see you. I'm going to add you in for a minute and introduce you. You you weren't prepared for this, were you? you? Do you even have your mic on? I don't know. Do you hear me? I do hear you, yeah. It sounds Hello, like way off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is David Phillips. Many of you know him, and he's going to be uh, okay. Othamay's on, so now we can start. Now we now we know that we're in the right place. Anyway, so he's going to be in the background, um, monitoring, monitoring the comments. Okay, so let's see. Let's click this. And uh, can somebody tell me if that text is too small? Should, would you like it larger? Studio. I'm doing really good tonight, boy, I'll tell you. All right, let's see. Yeah, share screen window there and there. Okay, so I don't know, David, what do you think? Is that too small? Should I make the text larger? Shake your head. Yes for yacht larger. Yes, larger. No is just fine. I can see you, but I can't hear you right now. No, not big enough. All right, hang on. I thought it was too small, too. All right, let's try this. How's that? There's a delay. I can't hear you. Good, too small. Bigger? Really? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Hang on. Wow. That's going to make it really big. 
Okay, let's do, let's do, let's do. That's really big. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, okay. So first we got to pray. Every time before we read the Bible, we got to pray so we can understand it. First of all, Lord, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. You said that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So we ask you to be with us. We ask you to... Show us the deep and secret things. Help us to understand your word because heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And we know it's eternal and it can only be understood as the Holy Spirit directs us. So show us the deep and secret things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start at Matthew 14. Boy, that is big. Let me get rid of this. All right. Wow, that's big. Okay. So at the time, Herod, the tetrarch of Jesus, and said to his servants, this is he is risen from the dead. That can't be showing all of it. I think some of the text is missing. Hang on. Whoops. Yeah, it is. Hang on. We're still not right here. I thought something was missing. Better. Okay, let's try it again. This is all because I didn't get prepared. Sorry. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus, and he said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. And Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. In other words, he was trying to marry someone that he was not supposed to marry. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because he counted them as a prophet. When Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased them, whereupon he promised an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. Now, hang on. If Jesus Jesus said that of those born among women, there was not a greater than John the Baptist. So why would God allow John the Baptist to be beheaded? And there's another question. So probably one of the other two greatest people in the New Testament would be the two witnesses. So why would God allow the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit to make war against them, to overcome them, to kill them, the bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord is crucified. Why would he allow the two witnesses to be killed? I mean, after all, there is a pre-trib rapture, right? I think that with some people, he wants to give them the greatest blessing. And like Ken Peters said, he never felt the blade come down that cut his head off. If you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, 
you you discovered that that's one of the martyr's blessings that when we are dying for the lord we never feel pain you read in fox's book of martyrs about how the people were tied at the stake and they were burned and they were singing praises to the lord and as it burned off the ropes from off of their hands they lifted their hands praising the lord they weren't feeling a thing i think that john never felt a thing i think the two witnesses never will feel pain and i think those people you know like uh antipas was my faithful martyr i think that that's the martyr's blessing and i think what he was doing is giving john the greatest blessing in heaven and that is to die for the name of jesus verse 9 and the king was sorry nevertheless for the oath's sake and then which sat with him at meat he commanded to be given her and he sent and beheaded john in the prison and his head was brought into charger and given to the damsel and she brought it to her mother and his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told jesus man that is as large as i can make that okay so yeah sad day when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into the desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. And Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We only have five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up into heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Now, uh, why, why this story of the five loaves and two fishes immediately after john is beheaded i think it's confirmation what we were just talking about when we're serving the lord we're not going to feel the pain if we give our life for him when we're serving the lord like the five thousand people that showed up to hear jesus jesus is going to take care of us and in between now and the time when jesus returns you know we're about to see things that probably no generation has seen since the days Jesus walked the earth. You know, such as was since Jesus, well, we're about to see and be tested in ways like no generation has ever be tested. But I really believe that Jesus is going to be faithful. I really believe he's going to show up and take care of us. I, I really do. Verse 20, and they did eat, and all were filled, and they took up other fragments and drained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside the women and children. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. Why did he go up to the mountain apart to pray? Because it was his prayer closet. I've told people many, many times as I talk about the prayer closet, the prayer closet is not where we go to pray for ourselves, not where we go to pray for other people. It's, I would even say it's not even spiritual warfare. I 
seldom, if ever, speak in tongues because it's not about me. The prayer closet is going for one thing. It's to worship God. Praise is telling God what he does and that you're loving for it. Worship is telling God who he is and that you're loving for it. Daniel worshiped three times a day, and he was able to sleep with the lions, and the lions didn't eat him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were his prayer partners. They did likewise, and they were tossed into the lake. Excuse me. They were tossed into the fire that was seven times hotter, and they weren't burned. The whole point he's trying to say here is, if you're close to me, I'm going to take care of you. Now, does that mean nothing's going to happen to you? I don't think we can say that. I mean, you look at John, you look at the two witnesses, but I don't think that they'll ever feel pain for it. And by the way, if they do, that's okay too. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up to them out apart, away from them, to pray, because that was his prayer closet. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary, in other words, blowing against them. And at the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said to them, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, here's the question. How come they all didn't say that? Here's another thing. Why don't we ask for the next level? Why don't we, we need to always be seeking the Lord to get closer to him. I remember it was probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I came in one night and Leslie was just drifting off to sleep. And I said, I'm impressed to pray for you to go to a new level. And so I prayed for her and she said, in Jesus' man, man, let me try again. In Jesus' name, it fell off to sleep. And the next morning, she woke up with a story. She says, "I got something last night. What? I don't know what it is, but I got something. You prayed for me. I, 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 I got something. Well, what is it? I don't know, but I feel different. Well, as time went on, we come to discover what it was. She was given the judge's anointing." And if you go to her YouTube site called Train the Prophets, you will see she wears a black robe. She has one of those little round pieces of wood and a mallet. You know, like <laughs> she she hits that and she says, I'm calling the session to order. And then when she's done, case dismissed because God told her she's a judge. And there's been <laughs> there's been times where people after a sermon would come up and say, I've, 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 got, I've got a question. Yeah, you know, my, my, my son or my daughter is doing something like this. What do you think? And I'd say, this is immediately after this incident. Well, well I think this is what you ought to do. I said, but go see what Leslie has, <laughs> has to say. They tell the story. And Leslie says, oh, almost exactly the opposite. She said, don't pay attention to him. Do this. And so I've become a little smarter now. When someone asks me a question like that, I know that Leslie has that judge's spirit. And so I'll just send her over to Leslie. As a matter of fact, she likes a lot watching those judging shows. I said, why do you watch those? 
I think it is because that's kind of what she's called to be. See, a prophet is the police officer of the church. If there's anything wrong in the church, the prophet is the first one to detect it and straighten it out. I <laughs> I feel sorry for people that are order, out of order and think they're going to come into the Spirit of Prophecy Church on a Sunday morning and straighten things out. So I remember this was probably six, nine months ago. Sunday morning, I walked in, and there weren't very many people there because, you know, I'm one of the first ones there. But this lady had come in early. It's black lady. color of her skin has nothing to do with it. Um, but she uh, she had got there before me, and she'd found herself a chair and moved it up next to the front door. And I'm talking about, I mean, you couldn't get one step in the door until you saw her and could be able to reach out and touch her. And I looked down her eye and I said, what are you doing? She says, I'm praying for people as they come in. Well, that's one of the things that gives me great peace and comfort, knowing that there is a police officer in the church, knowing that there is a judge in the church. And if something is out of order, pastor, say, because on Sunday morning, I'm in the role of pastor. And pastor going to have to deal with it because judge is going to take care of it. So I walked on in and Leslie was already there. She was in the audio room, didn't know this lady was out front. And I said, have you seen the woman sitting by? <laughs> I said, have you seen the woman sitting by the front door? No, I haven't. And I thought, okay, the problems are about to start. And then <laughs> the, the next thing, I walked, I walked on to the front of the congregation, to, up to the church, because I knew Leslie was going to handle it. And next thing I hear is, you're not a prophet. Get up. Get out. And, of course, she commanded a couple of the guys there to grab this lady and introduce her to another way out of the church. And she was asked and helped to leave. And there's been a couple of those. And you may be saying, oh, man, that's really harsh. You have to understand, when there is a real prophet, and I'm talking about a real prophet, when there is a real prophet in the area, you can rest assured Jezebels. Jezebels collect to profit like flies to honey. Um, I'll tell you another story. We were doing a crusade in Topeka, Kansas, and I don't know, we probably had 350 people there. And uh, I was standing, hadn't started yet, standing talking to Prophet Ed Lixie. I remember it specifically. And we were talking along, and all of a sudden he went, kind of like you would sniff the ear. If, if, if all of a sudden you picked up a bad smell, he went, he turned his head to the right, just like that. And he said, a Jezebel just walked into the room. I looked over, and sure enough, a lady had just stepped in the room. Sure enough, we kept an eye on her. And by the first break, based upon some things she was doing, which I won't go into, you know, they're always, because Jezebels, like the devil, come not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. They are a church's worst enemy. They break up churches. They destroy prophets. They destroy churches. They cause church splits. 
And so by the end of the first day, they had that lady back in the other room and saying, you're Jezebel. We know you're Jezebel and you're going to admit it. You're going to repent. We're going to pray for you. Cast that devil out right now or you can leave right now. That's your choice. And as I recall, she left. And sad to say, but I can tell you, you know, we've done 70 crusades. And a crusade is about prophecies, receiving prophecies, being trained to hear from the Lord. And so it's like it's like honey that gathers the flies and it gathers the Jezebels. So while Leslie and I, you know, maybe there's only 30, 40 people in our church. We're not new ministers. And we've been around the block especially when it comes to Jezebel. So we don't put up with that. And let, let, let me get back to the Bible. So he said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked onto the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, boisterous, okay, why is it taking his eyes off of Jesus? That's what happens to us. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, that's when we see the wind, boisterous. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. And he cried, save me, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Okay, now wait a minute. What does he mean, a little faith? Because Peter was the guy that had his lady's head on Jesus' breast. Peter was the one that said, not my feet only, but my head also. Peter was one of the closest to Jesus. And that's one of the reasons he had enough confidence to say, I'd like to walk on water too. But in this case, Peter should have known that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. In other words, Jesus is the flesh part of the Father. And when they come to the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. I did a study on miracles. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. There's only two kinds of miracles. Miracles that point to Jesus are miracles that point to the Antichrist. That's it. That's only two. And the whole point and purpose of miracles is to prove Jesus, to prove the Word of God, things like that. Yes, it's for a lot of winning of souls, but it's all to point to Jesus. This miracle also, you see at the end of it, they say of a truth, thou art the Son of God. So that miracle was to help them see that Jesus really is the Messiah. And when they were gone over, they came into a land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they set out into all the country round about and brought in him all that were diseased, and he besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, as many touched were made perfectly whole. And then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said to them, And why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth the father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift, by whosoever might, thou mightest be profited me. Now, 
took me a little uh, research to understand this one. So what's it's having to do with inheritance. So the Bible has laid out how the inheritance is supposed to be handed out. But the sharp little snakes figured out another way to get around giving the inheritance to their children. And that's what this is really all about, is how to not do the word of God. And that's what Jesus is saying. And honor not thy father nor his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did it say, prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And you know they're still doing that. As a matter of fact, there's been a whole lot of churches these days that got away and they're teaching fables. And a matter of fact, I asked somebody that I don't know, maybe he's even on the on the Bible study one evening. I said, "Well, what is what? What do these other churches preach if they don't preach the Bible?" And they said, "Oh, well, you know, they pick up books from uh, you know some of these people on TV, these real famous people, and they teach out of them." Yeah, no, no, no. You got you got to teach from the Word of God. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said to them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. This defileth a man. Then he came to his disciples and said unto them, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye understand that whatsoever enter in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceedeth out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. See, because the, the Jews were into the law of Moses, not the law of Jesus. And the law of Moses said things like, well, you know, you can't eat uh, things on Sabbath day. And in other words, they were really, really big into the law. But Jesus was big into living a holy life. And he was saying, you know, the filthy things that defile us are the filthy words that come out of our mouth, the filthy thoughts in our heart that come out of the mouth when we speak. If you've been around someone that's not a Christian, it doesn't take too long to find out they're not a Christian because for long, there's all kinds of curse words and fanny and filthy thoughts and things like that coming out of their mouth. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. I think Proverbs says that. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. See, in the Old Testament, when it says that we're not supposed to eat pork and things like that, it's not saying it's an abomination to God. 
In other words, it's not filthy to God. He's saying it's an abomination to man. If you eat things that make you sick, let me rephrase it. If you eat things that eat things that are dead, that died, maybe because, you know, the maybe the bird was dead and it fell out of the air and was dead, and then along comes the vulture and eats that bird, and then the vulture gets sick, and then you come along and eat the vulture. So we say don't eat vultures, which is the same reason it says don't eat catfish, because what do catfish eat? They eat the bottom of the river or the bottom of the lake. They eat the droppings from all of the other fish. Same thing with hogs and pigs. What do they eat? They eat the things that come out of all of the other animals. They are the vacuum cleaners of the earth. So it stands to reason, since they're eating dead things that died, that, matter of fact, most pigs, uh, they don't last very long. Even, even uh, what do they call them, uh, domesticated, domesticated pigs, they have to give them antibiotics and all kinds of shots, or they die real quick. They, they have a short lifespan because they are the vacuum cleaner of the earth. So it's not good to eat those things that are the vacuum cleaners of the earth. So they're not abominations to God. Us eating pork, us eating catfish doesn't hurt God. He said it'll hurt you. So it's an abomination to us. It should be something that we don't do. We don't do it because we want to live a long time. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands, eh, doesn't defile a man. Then Jesus went thence and departed under the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of the Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, well, just send her away, for she keeps crying and begging for us to do something. But he answered and said, I'm not sent, but only, we would say it that way, but only out of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? Because the sheep hadn't let down yet. The gospel had not been given to the Gentiles yet. At this point, it's supposed to be only given to the Jews, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't take the gospel to someone that's not Jewish. Then, once the Jews turned their back on it, then he took it to the Gentiles. But Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. There is a time, in my belief and understanding, is that on about or around in the middle of the tribulation, about when the Antichrist sits on the throne of God and says he's God, stops animal sacrifice, about when the two witnesses pop out and appear on earth, that's the last three and a half years of the, of the tribulation. And I believe that that's what it's saying when, and I see, I saw the, the third beast. I saw the horse went forth and was black. And he was given, um, and he had a pair of balance in his hand. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar saying to the beast, say, a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. I now believe that a measure of wheat that's one measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. And I think what that's saying is the wheat is the Gentiles. The barley represents the Jews. So during that last three and a half years of the tribulation, there'll be one Gentile to every three 
Jews that are saved. Even the angel that spoke to Dimitri said <clears throat> that when the book of the Gentiles is filled, then his attention will return to the Jews to fill the book of the Jews. So there's a time coming when God's attention is going to be turned back to winning souls for the Jews. But right now, it's still the time of the Gentiles. Don't think we have very many more months of that, which is another reason why if you have a mother, a brother, son, daughter, friend, boss, that's not saved, you're afraid to offend them, to talk to them about Jesus. Time to start offending. Time to start talking. But he answered and said, I'm not sent by the house of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, True, Lord, but yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So even though the gospel, the healings, the miracles, wasn't supposed to go to the Gentiles yet, because she wanted it so bad, she got it. So what's the point for us? So I get people to email me from time to time and say, you know, I had this little dream, I had this little vision. What does it mean? And it's so short, there's just nothing to it. And many times I'll write them back and I'll say, okay, I think what you got was an invitation because the dream of the vision was not concluded. It looks like it was stopped about a third or maybe a halfway through it. My suggestion is that you go and you fast and pray and seek the Lord until finally he will give you the rest of it and ask him to give you even more. And so far, of the, I'm going to say, probably 20 people through the years have asked me that. So far, none of them have come back and said, okay, yeah, well, I did this fasting and God showed me this. He's wanting us, the better things of the Lord are not easy to get. A lot of people want God to talk to them audibly, dream or vision, and they're not getting it. And because a lot of times they're just not pressing in. Like Henry Groover said, pray through. Don't pray. As in pray and stop. Pray through. As in pray, pray, pray and fast. Fast and pray until you get your answer. O woman, great is thy face. Be unto you even as thou will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee. And he went up to a, man, a mountain and sat down. And the great multitudes came to him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude, why did he heal them? To show them that he is the Messiah, that he is God in the flesh. Insomuch that the multitude wondered, when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, the blind to see, they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And disciples saying to them, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness, 
as to fill so great a multitude. And Jesus said to them, well, how many loaves have you? And they said, seven and a few fishers. Now, a lot of people get this confused with five loaves and two fishers. It's not the same incident. Because the first incident was five loaves, two fishers, and they were up on a mountainside, had them set down in the grass. This is not. This is in the wilderness. Here they have, they said to have seven loaves and a few fishers. Didn't tell us how many fishers. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Oh, but what are we going to do during the time of the mark of the beast? Because we're not going to have any food. We're not going to have any water. Wait a minute. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has no respect for persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for another. And if he can feed some three million people out of the desert, out of thin air, feed them manna every day for 40 years. Moses can strike the rock another time, speak to the rock, and out of the rock flowed a river of water. And I've been to both of them. I've been to the, the, the hole in the side of the mountain, and I would say the hole's big enough to drive a Volkswagen through. And water just came out of that hole, just came out of the hole of the mountain. It wasn't coming up from the earth where you'd expect a river to come up from. It was, matter of fact, if this is like the, I want to share this so you can see. Okay, like this is the mountain. The hole was up on this part of the mountain. In other words, it was like we had a climb. Um, I mean, not, not maybe five minutes to get up there. And the water came out there, and you could see where I began. I've been there. I got video of that. Uh, the water came down and washed all of the rocks all smooth. And then, uh, let's see, October the 8th of 2022, I climbed Mount Sinai. And the day before that, I got up inside the rock that Moses struck and water came out. And that's about six stories tall. Um, I believe that the rock was one big solid rock, like the shape of a dice, so like a square. Okay. And when, when Moses struck it, literally God split the rock, not, how do I say, he didn't split it. How do I, how do I do this? Okay. He didn't split it like this. It split into three splits this way and then another way like that. I got up inside there. And I can tell you, water did not come up from the ground. It was supernaturally created out of thin air. Both examples where God gave the children of Israel water, it didn't come from the ground. He didn't split the ground and a big river of water come up out of the ground. Neither, neither time. It was water out of thin air. Is there anything too difficult for God? No. And so, like I said on the program either today or yesterday, okay, so I've been studying this prophecy stuff for 40 years, doing a radio and sometimes TV program, now YouTube on it for 30 years. And in all that time, not me, nor my wife, nor me, any of my children have ever had a bad dream about us being arrested or handcuffs or barbed wire or beaten or none of that stuff. I think God is going to protect us. Why? I think because we're on the front lines. We're doing our best to try to warn people. In this case tonight, doing our best we can to try to teach the word of God as accurate as we possibly can. And that's what we prayed for, that God would give us the words. They'll help us to understand. So he, the first example tonight was <clears throat> John was beheaded 
God allowed it to happen. Then he fed 5,000, five loaves, two fishes. Now he's feeding another, I don't know, did it say how many? Uh, this time, seven loaves and some fishes. Why? Why is it? Why? These are these are back to back examples because he's showing you. Look, you guys in the last get the last days, all you folks out there, yeah, that's us. Okay, I'm going to take care of you. I got your name, I got your address, I got your social security number. I I know what it's going to take to provide for you. I got you. I think he's not just looking for people that are preparing. I do think that it's important to prepare. I think he's looking for people, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other seven baskets will be fulfilled. All of the other things will be added into you. I mean, I, 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 I'll start crying if I talk about it. I can't talk about it. I walk around thanking the Lord constantly. When I fall to my knees in my prayer closet every night, normally about the first thing I do is just say thank you. Thank you. He is so good. He's so awesome. And it's not just his mercy that endures forever. He is good. I mean, I, I just told him the other night. Was it last night or night before? I said, you know... I'll start crying if I talk about this. I said, Lord, you know, I understand Jonah. I understand because he knows you. Like I know you. I know you. I know you. Jonah knew you. And you're long-suffering. You're not willing that any would perish. You didn't want to destroy Nineveh. And that's the reason you sent Jonah in. Jonah knew. Jonah knew that you're good. And he knew you wouldn't do it. But he also knew it would take Jonah going in, giving the warning. And, you know, like even the warning that, the, you know, these 30 years I've been carrying the warning, it's not easy. Um there are people very close to me that how do I say it are tired of the warning tired of warning 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 it never comes it never comes but that's what Jonah said too because God is long-suffering. He doesn't want, he really doesn't. He doesn't want to bring all of this bad destruction. I know that when you read the, the verses that talk about specifically, it sure sounds like it, you know. <laughs> For she saith in her heart, I said a queen, and I'm a widow, and she'll see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. But then I look at people protesting, saying from the river to the sea, saying, get rid of the Jews. And when I hear them saying that the Palestinians are the good guys and the Jews are the bad guys, kill the Jews. It's not surprising to me that our nation is so sinful. When I see 
a guy in the White House is as evil as this one is, and so many people around him holding up his arms, covering his tracks, not letting justice move forward. I know Jesus is saying, lightning goes here. I know that judgment's coming. I know it is. But I know God. I know he doesn't want to bring it. I know he doesn't. I walk around constantly. I mean, I walk out to my car. As soon as I get out the door where I know Leslie or none of the kids or anything is going to hear me, I, I just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I, I, I can't thank him enough if I walk around every minute of the day naming off all of the things that he's done for me. I'll never get through all of the wonderful things he's done. And I said the other night, I said, you know, I am so ashamed. So ashamed when as a young man, foolish man, I actually thought I was doing that. I actually thought that I was getting that award. I thought I was doing that sale. I thought it wasn't me. It was his hand the whole time. All every, The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. He gives rain on the just and the unjust. He's, he is really, really a good guy. And that's the reason seven loaves and two fishes, and he told them all to sit down and fed them all. How much more the last day's generation, the last generation, how much more is he going to take care of us? He's going to take care of us. It's okay. He's gonna, I don't think we should not prepare. I think we should prepare. And I think we should prepare not only for ourselves, but for other people. Okay, let's go on. Verse 37. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they did that eat were 4,000 men beside women and children. So here's a case of 4,000. And he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdalia. And the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting him, desiring him that he would show them a sign from heaven. The Jews want a sign. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say that it would be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it would be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? How many people right now do not see that we're in the last days? You tell them, they still don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. It's called cognitive dissonance. In other words, let me sleep, wake me up when it arrives. I've had actually people tell me that. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of Jonah the prophets, the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And when the disciples were coming to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed. And beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O oh, you little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. Do ye not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up. Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up. Then how is it that you do not understand that I speak it not to you concerning bread? 
that ye should not she that ye should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In other words, he wasn't talking about getting something to eat. He's talking about the leaven. All right, now let's talk about the leaven. I knew this in theory before I got started making my own bread, and now I'm getting up close to 200 loaves of bread I've made. Um, so I grind the flour, and I'm told. Um, I've never done that. I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should try it today and see how it works tomorrow. I've got to make some bread tomorrow. But in the olden days, they did not put yeast into the bread. They just simply ground the wheat flour and made it with the, the wheat berries and made them flour. They added water and oil and then they spread it out and they let it set overnight. And then the yeast or the bad things of the air came down into the 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 dough, and they rolled that up and kind of kneaded it like that, and then let it set some more. And it rises up like that. And they like that. Now, why? Because the leaven makes it rise. The leaven actually makes the bread better. So it's a way of saying we like our sin. We like, <laughs> you got to keep me on what I'm saying here, okay? We like our girly magazines. We like our girls wearing short skirts. We like our cocaine. I've never had any cocaine. Wish I could say anything about the other one too. Uh, in other words, my mom used to say it this way. She said, son, there is pleasure in sin. And the leaven, because it makes the lump rise, instead of having a brick that you couldn't cut, that you have to have a chisel to break apart, or you if you put it into small crackers, then you get just that, crackers. Uh, that's the reason Jesus said in where they were in the upper room, he break bread because that was unleavened bread. It hadn't risen. But after you let it rise, then that makes it nice and soft and a lot easier to eat. That, I think, well, I don't know, I guess it changes the the, the taste a little bit. But... Sometimes humans, I mean, the devil had something to sell. He's selling sin, and sin sells. We humans like it, and so we like to leaven. That's what he's saying. I'm not speaking to you about bread. I'm speaking to you about get. I want you to see the sin within the people that are supposed to be leading you, the Sadducees and Pharisees. That's what he's trying to say. Then understood how they how that he had bade them not beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In other words, what they're teaching is error. And I think that same thing's going on in churches now. I think they're teaching error. And I think one of the biggest things they teach here, of course, is the pre-tree of rapture. I'm constantly beating on that because it's constantly beating on me. I could win a lot more souls if it weren't for the pre-tree of rapture. I think the pre-tree of rapture is Probably the single greatest thing I fight. Anyway, let's go on. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Am, am? And they said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elias. Others say Jeremiah or maybe one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, Oh, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to them, 
Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, let me take a second. In, 19, in 2017, when it was laid on my heart to memorize the book of Revelation, first of all, I didn't think I'd do it, okay? I mean, I didn't even start at verse 1. I started verse 10, Revelation 1.10, because those first nine verses looked too difficult. I didn't think I'd be able to memorize them. So I started memorizing it, and I want to say a couple of things. One is I don't think I memorized it. I think it was the Spirit of God helping me. But in the process, and I didn't think anything special was going to happen, something special did start happening. I got uh, 70, no, excuse me, 30, 30 revelations. That's what he's talking about here. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And this is where wisdom just jumped into my head. It wasn't in the scriptures or it was in the scriptures, but I'd have never tied this scripture together with that scripture to see and understand it. 30 revelations, two visions, and an audible voice. And one of the visions showed me that one word, the word first fruits, in Leviticus 23.10 links to Revelation 14.4, and that that is a time tunnel. That is a secret door that links them because the feasts are actually a pattern for the last seven months just before Jesus returns. And the one of the visions, the last vision, showed me that not everything can be learned by audio and visual. Some things have to be learned because it's written, and that I was to write this in a book. So I wrote it in a book, and it has sold well. As a matter of fact, I still don't think I've got one complaint. I don't think I've got one person say, yeah, knucklehead, boy. You know, you got a hole in your head. You don't even know what you're talking about. Because um, I think... I don't think it's on the order of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I don't think it's on the Stan Johnson level either. It's above my level. And I, I doubt that I will ever change anything in the book because, you know, now it's been six years, almost seven years, since I memorized the book of Revelation. I have to go back and refresh all the time, which here's the book. I go back and refresh all the time, often. Matter of fact, you can go out and turn my car on right now and it starts playing Revelation because I have to constantly refresh. And even then, uh, it just, just seems to, which is why we need to do a Bible study. Because if we don't constantly put it in, then unconsciously we forget it. So here's a case where Peter was told, you didn't figure out that I'm the Christ by flesh and blood. It was my father that revealed it to me now or to you. Now, that's a big hint because if we want to win souls, that's what we got to do. We got to pray, Lord, give me souls. Give me souls. Lay on the hearts of people. I know I've prayed that. Lord, this next week, give me someone that I can pray with. Sure enough, someone that week. And, and sometimes it's very amazing. It's almost like they'll walk up and say, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> it can be really, really direct. But anyway. The point is, God has to reveal it to us. He revealed all of those 30 revelations, divisions, and audible voice, which I wrote in the book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. I guess I should tell you that. Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. And I urge you to get your copy at prophecyclub.com. But don't get one copy. They come in shrink wrap sets of five, I believe. 
And the best deals get five of them. Matter of fact, the best deals get there's about 80 books for 100 bucks. That's that's the best deal. And by the way, if you are in the Bible study and or are listening to Prophecy Club, um, I think Jesus would say it's a good thing to give where you're being fed. So if you're being fed by this, a good thing to give to. Which, by the way, I think you can do by going to prophecyclub.com. All right, let's go on to the next one. Prophecyclub.com. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, a lot of people want to say, it's not talking about Peter. That, that I mean, that's not talking about, excuse me, the Catholic Church says that's talking about Peter. And since Peter, they say, is the head of the Catholic Church, that means that the only church on earth is the Catholic Church. But Jesus wasn't talking about Peter. How do we know? Because the rock is talked about back in the Old Testament. There's other scriptures referred to. Jesus is the rock. The rock of our salvation. There's many scriptures. Peter was not the rock. Jesus is not talking about Peter there. Jesus was talking about himself. I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, meaning me, Jesus, okay? Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give it unto the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So do we have the authority to forgive sins? I believe we do. I believe we do. That's what that scripture is saying. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Why? Because same thing, he wanted them to re be revealed by the, the Holy Spirit. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he should must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said to them, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. All right, now let's back up. What's going on here besides dogs barking and, and they're having children over tonight? So what's he saying? So first thing he says, I'm going to build this rock. Let me make sure the door's closed. Doors close, loud kids. So after he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Then he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind shall be bound. Whatever you loose shall be loosed. Then he goes to the next part, which ties together. Then he charges disciples that they should tell no man that he was, the, was Jesus the Christ. Why? You'd think he'd want them to do that. Because he wanted the Holy Spirit to reveal it to them. These days, to a certain degree, same thing going on. I, I know that, you know, I, I play racquetball, and I often say, Lord, give me all of the souls of the people that I pray with. Everybody I meet there playing racquetball, give me their soul. Because unless the Holy Spirit 
opens their eyes and lets them see that they're a, a sinner in need of a savior. Savior just to want. Have you ever tried to talk to a Jew about Jesus? May as well talk to a telephone pole. They just, it's almost like they don't even understand your language. They just, it, it's just, it ain't going to happen. Let's go on. From, from that time forward began Jesus to show his disciples how then he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. But they didn't listen. What? The disciples didn't listen to Jesus? Well, obviously not. Because later, he the same thing happens to him, and they don't see it until it's all over. Because unless God opens our eyes to see Jesus, unless he opens our eyes to understand Bible prophecy, we just we won't get it. That's the reason we prayed before we got into the Bible study today. Lord, show us the deep and secret thing. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said to them, Peter? Get thee behind me. Satan, thou art an offense to me, because he knew it was Satan having him say that. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him design himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, what's so interesting about this? At that time, they probably did not know he was going to be nailed to a cross. He had just told them he's going to suffer many things and going to be killed. My guess is he didn't tell them he would be crucified. But later he knew that after he was crucified, that would speak to people. And he's saying, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, what does that mean? It means that if we don't do what we want to do. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and, well, I mean, God's been chasing me for a long time. He wanted me to come to the ministry. I didn't want to come to the ministry. So I'm running from him. And, you know, in, in my life, I remember I didn't want to be in the ministry because I thought God was a bad paycheck. As a matter of fact, I guess it was just this morning. Just this morning as I was backing out, uh, had to go run an errand for Leslie. I began thanking the Lord. So here I am, 70 years old, and I said, you know, had I stayed with the old company, they had it written in the clause, you had to retire at 65. And that meant by now I would be living on whatever retirement I had put aside, which was almost nothing. And then whatever check came from the government, which is about to be cut off. So I would be in a world hurt had I stayed with that other company. So I'm glad I denied Stan to do what Stan wanted to do. And I'm glad I picked up the cross because God is not only the best God, he's the best father, he's the best boss too. He has blessed Leslie and I far more than we have earned to deserve. So if you ever get a chance to take up the cross and follow him on a full-time basis, do it. He's worth it. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. What's that saying about? In other words, you take the mark or lose your head. Well, there's my head because I ain't taking no mark. For whosoever saves his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Life eternal is what he's saying. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Gain the whole world? See, that's what most people are. Matter of fact, that's the reason I didn't want to come full time because I thought God was a bad paycheck. You know, I want to be worth a million dollars by the time I'm 30. <laughs> Foolish young man.
<laughs> For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with these angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Now, let me show you something I just saw in that. See right here it says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father. So the first time Jesus come, did he come in the glory of his Father? No. Okay, so when does he get the glory of his Father? Answer, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, which takes place about four months before Jesus returns. On the, on the Feast of Pentecost, that's when the 144,000 and that's the barley and all of the wheat, those people that are ready get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Daniel chapter 7 says, and they bring him before the ancient of days and he's given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Glory, okay? Dominion, glory, and a kingdom. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed. He's given many crowns, and he's given a name which no man know but he himself, and he's given a uh, white wedding garment, and on his uh, garment, on his, on his vesture, on his thighs, a name written, King of kings and lords of lords, and then he comes forth and serves us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's the reason Peter said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I wash your feet, you have no place in me. Uh, well, then not my feet only, but my head too. Because that's the first thing Jesus does. It comes forth. Would not surprise me a bit, but we didn't wash the feet of all of his people in those four months. But he definitely comes forth and he serves them at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Why? Because in the kingdom of heaven, that's what it's about. Everyone else is before you. That's the reason it says, and he that overcometh shall sit down on my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. And I believe that Revelation teaches, while it does not say this directly, I believe it teaches that the ones that are overcomers are those people that see the Antichrist, hear the Antichrist, but do not take the mark of the beast. Those are the overcomers. I do not believe it teaches that everybody that received Jesus is an overcomer. I do not believe that. Um, it, it'd take me a while to, to go through. I mean, you know, I saw that's one of the revelations I saw when I memorized the book of Revelation. Okay, let's go back to this. 27. For the Son of Man shall come, the glory of his Father, his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. When? When he returns in glory. So does he return in glory before the tribulation? Uh, no, no. Okay, so there's not a pre-trib rapture. Does he come in his glory in the middle of the tribulation? No. Does he come in his glory about four months before the tribulation? No, no, no. But as a matter of fact, Acts, Acts 1, 7. You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall come in like manner as you've seen him go. Okay, so how'd he come? I mean, how'd he go? He went up in a cloud. He was wearing <laughs> earthly clothes in an earthly body. Thomas felt the nail scars. They just had fish, a fish dinner before he went up. So I believe when he comes back down, he is not going to be in glory of his father. The next time he comes, he comes on the Feast of 
first fruits. And he comes down in a lamb body, wearing the same clothes he left in. Same everything. And that's when he resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. They walk around for sure on uh, the Mount Zion. And uh, they, this is when they, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits of God and the Lamb. And in the mouth is found no guile, for they're, they're only one year old. They, they died in the, within their first year. They never learned to talk. In the mouth is found no guile. Then, four months later, I guess I could show you this, but I'll, I'll just talk through it. And four months later, then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. When we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, he's still not in the glory of the Father. It's not until they bring him before the Ancient of Days at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is where he's crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's when he changes from Lamb to Lion. He changes from being Prince of the Kings of the Earth to become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's given many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood, and a name written which no man know but he himself. And then Revelation 19 talks about his return. Let's go back to this, though. Getting too much into prophecy here. Verily I say unto you, there shall there, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay. That's not talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's not talking about him returning to defeat all these enemies. He's saying that you, when I arise, I'm rising up into my kingdom. He's not fully there yet, but he's getting there. Okay, let's see. We're at 745. Let's stop there. Well, we only covered, well, two chapters. I guess I did a lot of talking tonight. Okay, so let me see if I've got any questions here. Oh, you're, you're saying that was too large? The text was too large, David? Okay, well, answer me when you get it. Patty Cake 4. I thought praying in private in tongues should be done every day so the devil doesn't know what you're praying about. Okay, well, that's a good question. In the Yes, praying in tongues every day is a good idea. Praying in private every day is a good idea. And when we pray in tongues, no, the devil doesn't know what we're saying because it, it's perfect communication between us and the Father. But in my definition of the prayer closet, it is not praying for ourselves. It's not about ourselves. It's not giving us power. It's, I mean, praying in tongues is building up our most holy self. So the prayer closet, my definition is we do one thing there, and that is worship and praise God, period. And so it's not about us. So at the prayer closet, I, you know, I, I almost never speak in tongues. And I very, very ever seldom pray for the people. I mean, once in a while, but I always make certain that I, I go there to praise and worship God. Um, okay, he says it's a bit large. Let me let me just try this. Let me switch. I'm, I'm trying to find the... See, because it, it doesn't let me just go to any size I want. It only... Here, here's the next size down. So tell me, is that size about right? Because I'd prefer that size because I'm having to flip too much the other side. If you can read that, that would be the size I would vote for. Okay, that's good. All right, good. Okay, good. Well, that's where we'll do it. Okay, so I haven't looked at the comments. David, you've been looking at the comments. Is there any questions or any comment or anything I need to know before we close? Uh, 
Not so far. Okay, well, I saw we had like at one time 100 people on the first one and 34 on the second one. Um, and it looks like we got loaded up on all of the streams tonight. So that's good. Um, this week is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not one of the official feasts of the Lord, according to Leviticus 23. But I think it is always good to give thanks to the Lord, and especially when a nation takes off work and sets a whole, whole day aside to give thanks to God. I think that's very, very powerful. The story that I think they've taken down from the Internet now doesn't surprise me. But in my research a number of years ago, how Thanksgiving got started was when the pilgrims first came over the first year, they were determined that they were going to do it according to the first century church. And that's where they gave all things common. And then they divided to every man according as his need, which is communism. And there were several people that starved to death that winter. So the next year they said, okay, we're not going to do it that way again. The next time we're going to do it is this time, if you want to eat in the winter, plant in the spring. No one is going to be sharing food. If you want food, you have to grow it. You have to make it on your own way. And that's capitalism. Well, consequently, the bounty was so big that we decided to have Thanksgiving and then all of the turkeys and all of the Indians came in and all the rest of them. So it was one big day of Thanksgiving. That's the story that I understand what really happened. And that's probably, <laughs> how do we speak in lounges? How do we pray in lounges? <laughs> okay. So I want to say happy Thanksgiving. May you have a happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. I think that by Thanksgiving next year, we'll be living in a very different world. And I don't think it'll be near as prosperous as what we live in today. Um, so let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us and shows us all of the secret things. Helps us to understand your word. Lord, we ask you to put it into our heart. Hide it in our heart so we will not sin against you. And that every one of us one day will see each other in eternity and rejoice <clears throat> and spend all of eternity praising and worshiping you and spending wonderful time and love together with each other in all of eternity. I ask you to bless the people that are listening. And Lord, lay in their heart what to do, what they need to do to please you. And that's concerning their giving, concerning their helping other people, their prayer closet, their walk with you. Show them how to be perfect in your eyes. In your eyes, how to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I think I'm going to call it a day. God bless you. Thank you for watching.